welcome to another episode of the Fertility Podcast, episode 184. If this is your first listen, hello, I'm Natalie Silverman, your host, a little bit soggy. I've been out for the last four or five hours doing um, a lovely memory walk for a bereavement charity called Cruise, which my mum is a bereavement counsellor for, and we had this lovely walk in a gorgeous park, even though it was chucking it down on and off, uh, for my late auntie Melissa, and there was about 40 of us all remembering people that we've lost uh, in the rain, doing a, a walk and we stopped and read some poems and lit some candles and it was really special. And grief affects us in so many different ways that I think it's something that should always ensure that you don't have to deal with alone, if possible. Maybe at first you need to process it a bit, but if it's something that you're trying to manage at the moment, please reach out to somebody and get some support because it's too hard to try and manage on your own. Anyway, I didn't want to completely start on a on too much of a sad note, but just wanted to share what I've been up to. It's always lovely to know where you're at when you listen to this podcast. So please do follow, engage, chat with me at Fertility Poddy on, on Insta and Twitter. And um, the Fertility Podcast has a has a Facebook page if you've just kind of found me and you're working your way through all the previous episodes. And I want to just, just explain what's going to be changing here at Fertility Podcast HQ because I'm going to try something different in a couple of episodes time. So from the 17th of June, I'm going to be sharing with you a show that I'm co-hosting with uh, a former guest of mine, a lovely lady called Kate Davis, who is a fertility nurse consultant. And we had just been talking about doing some stuff together because this podcast is also going to start going out on something called UK Health Radio, which is an online radio station dedicated to your health. And it means that more people can hear your stories that you're sharing with me on this podcast, as well as the different expert interviews that I'm getting to share. And hopefully, more people who are struggling to conceive can find different ways to learn and understand and find their community, find the awesome TTC community that we are all part of. And yeah, so things are going to sound a bit different, but I'm obviously still going to be here. And, and the kind of principles of the Fertility Podcast are the same, that this is a safe place for you to hear other people's stories who are struggling and to learn more about your fertility to ultimately hopefully help you start or complete your family, whatever stage you're at. So I will be telling you more about that on my socials, but I just wanted to let you know because Kate and I have spent um, a day recording this week, which was pretty mad. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I really appreciate your feedback, as I, I always do. You can always email me, natalie at thefertilitypodcast.com. This episode today is focused on male fertility. It's a guy's story, a guy called Paul, who I caught up a, a good while ago now, actually. And the reason I'm sharing it with you is because on the 12th of June in Manchester, I'm part of a male fertility event. So if you're in Manchester, in the north of England, and, and want to come and meet a group of us and hear some experts talk, we've got an amazing fertility doctor called Dr. Mohammed Akhtar. We've got uh, Robin Hadley, who is a childless man and gives his perspective of, of his experiences. And he's done a lot of research. There's Dr. Michael Carroll, who does a lot of work looking at the environmental and lifestyle factors affecting male fertility. 
and a guy called Jack Broadley who has a charity called Baggy Trousers and he has uh, survived testicular cancer and he has a support group for men who have found um, themselves with testicular cancer and, and he'd been telling me how a lot of men come to him with that kind of fertility preservation uh, area just dumbfounding them and wanting to understand more so we're going to be having a, a really lovely couple of hours all the details will be in the show notes to this episode and that's why I wanted to have a, a male voice on this chat today if if you're a guy listening or if you've found that it is male factor as to the reason that you know you're struggling to conceive I've, I've done quite a lot of male focused chats and it's not an easy one guys aren't that forward they're not that keen on coming forward let's say when it comes to talking about this but you're getting better at it gents there's more of you that I'm talking to on Instagram and Paul was really happy to share his story and just I hope that by hearing it, if you are a guy listening to this, you'll te- you'll find some comfort in hearing another guy talk about his feelings and his experience. Before we hear from Paul, though, it's a quick note from my sponsors who make this podcast happen. This podcast is sponsored by International Andrology, who specialise in diagnosing and treating male infertility. Around 50% of infertility issues are male factor, and all too often, men aren't even evaluated at the start of a fertility journey which might result in unnecessary treatments, costs, and disappointment. International Andrology is one of the few specialist clinics in the UK, offering a holistic approach to increase your chances to conceive naturally or via the IVF route. As well as treating the underlying causes of male infertility, their doctors have some of the highest success rates in microsurgical sperm retrieval. So, if you're looking for a true specialist to assist you on your fertility journey, visit london-andrology.co.uk today, and do mention the Fertility Podcast. So now I'm going to welcome Paul Brackley to the podcast. Paul's other half, Helen, responded to a message I put in my closed Facebook group, Talk Fertility, which if you've not yet joined and you want to kind of continue the conversation, then that's a place that you can. And um, Paul's here now to just have a chat about where him and, and his wife, Helen, are at. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Welcome, Natalie. How are you? I'm, I'm really good. And um, really appreciate you giving me the time because what I'm trying to do to just give guys a bit more of a voice and hear about what's been going on with you and how you feel about it really so if you're up for telling me as, as a starting point what happened when you were kind of told that there was an issue whether it had been a, a a lot of tests and then suddenly or whether you already had an idea that there might be something up what happened so we started trying about three years ago and then probably after about a year uh, nothing was happening so we went to the gp and got various tests done and got referred to a hospital in Manchester and we went to have some further tests and everything has been fine. Uh, There's various limits on mobility of the sperm and various women checks and it's always been said as unexplained infertility. So it's not, there's nothing to try and adjust to or change or come to terms with. It's just the not knowing that it's always been the case. So we've been through two rounds of IVF on the NHS. Both have been unsuccessful. Both times we've had one and two eggs put back in. They weren't the blastocystic stage. They were the one before that, I think, about three eight days. or ten. Yeah, three days. And it's we've never made it to the, the end of the two-week wait. It's always failed in the second week. So we've never had the sort of the nervous pregnancy test to do um 
The first failure was put down to poor egg quality uh, on the on Helen's behalf, but that was just it could have been that one time they could be fine again or we'll just see what happens so we've had the second failure and because it's the end of our nhs treatment program we haven't had feedback from them on what the cause was so we're just going through the process now of getting our notes and then we'll be going we're currently looking at some private clinics in the area to go and move to so one of the first things we'll be doing is asking them why the second ivf failed and then taking it from there. So is that how it is then with the second failure? You don't even get any feedback? Yeah, we thought we'd have a sort of debrief session like we did after the first one. So we were waiting for that letter to come out confirming the, the meeting. But the letter came saying, unfortunately, that the IVF's failed. That'll be the end of it because you've had your two free rounds with us. So it's Ridiculous that that means no support. <laughs> I have yeah, heard this, that, that there's that drop off. Yeah after a failed cycle but i didn't realize it was literally funding has been cut so bang end of off you go yeah that was it because the first time we went back in and they got out the document with each embryo because i think we had i think there were 17 follicles or eggs or whatever they're called and um they showed us how they progressed every day they were explaining that some of them didn't go that far and some weren't that good and they weren't perfect split all around and you could see it and would understand why it didn't work but this time it was just a text, basically, off a girlfriend saying it's over. That's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just talk to me a bit about what you've experienced along the way, because I'm always interested in whether you feel in the consultations that the pair of you were spoken to or whether it was predominantly your other half who was looked in the eye and talked to. Do you it's think always the woman. Uh, when we were at the doctor's surgery, when we were at the NHS... Even when we've been to two private clinics and had this sort of an initial conversation with the patient liaison manager, um, they've all been talking to both of us, but looking at Helen. Mm. And I've always sort of felt like a third wheel. And it you do often feel like that because your part practically is so small and the woman does all the, the hard lifting, but it is the two of you at the end of the day. Exactly. So you do feel a bit bit left out. That's just how it is, isn't it? Well, it shouldn't be, and there's plenty of clinics that pride themselves on making this bespoke experience. I'm yet to hear of a couple who have had that. I I've visited a number of clinics, and I've had a number of clinics tell me that that's what they pride themselves on. I just haven't heard a patient talk to me about it, so I'd be interested in whether when you choose a private clinic, and I'm assuming that that will be a factor. Yeah, yeah, that's how we're going around. I think we've made our decision, but we've made it on gut feel, how we've interacted with them. They've both been exactly the same, both talking to Helen and not myself. Even, um, the, even the one you've chosen? Yeah, yeah, because they were both exactly the same. So we've just gone with one that had sort of better feedback. It's a bit more closer. Right, um, your mission is to get eye contact, okay, as this progresses <laughs> and feedback. <laughs> yeah. And well, we're, we're actually making... going to a fertility fair in Manchester at the end of March. Well, so I'll be there. I'll have to catch up with you. And I'll see if I've made eye contact with anyone. <laughs> Yeah, you have to come and tell me. And as far as your experience of the gentleman's room in that whole process, if you don't mind talking to me about it, how, how I don't mean in detail talking to me about it, because again, I've looked in a lot of gentlemen's rooms and they're all very clinical. 
and it could be if Carlsberg was going to design that room, it would be very different. <laughs> but they don't, sadly. They're often designed by people quite far removed from what actually goes on in there. Would you prefer a different kind of room? Well, the one I went to in Manchester, the NHS hospital, your room was next to another room. So you knew that there was another gentleman next to you, probably about four foot away. So that was always, that always made me chuckle. Um, always, yeah. The It's very clinical. It's just like being in a hospital bed, but you're just on a chair instead. Mm. Um, and it's just very basic. But one of the clinics, uh, they showed us their men's room and they'd made it, they'd got sort of paintings on the wall and they made it colourful and there was some um, supportive material available in the in the room. Very well put. Like, <laughs> I didn't notice it, but Helen did. Right. But it's just, it's an awkward experience all around, isn't it? So yeah. it's one that's best just to get over and done with. I mean, you seem pretty kind of upbeat about this and the way you're talking to me about it. I, I'm not saying you're taking it lightly, but are you talking about it with, like, your, your peers have you got close mates that you can confide in uh, it's, it's a weird journey because from the beginning the experience I've had with Helen and people we've spoken to that have also gone through it from as soon as you realize there's a problem the woman starts looking at various blogs and googling this and having a look online at that and start getting books and they're a long way ahead of the men and the men sort of catch up and take their time getting to the same page. But we've always spoken about it. We're open and honest. I've actually cause I had a bit of a tough year with some other things happening last year. I went to counselling and that was quite useful talking to a, a neutral person. But um, I've, I'm op- we're open and honest with our family, um, closest friends. But it does feel like a taboo subject with the... The wider world um it is always awkward having that first conversation with someone um because they don't know unless they've gone through it themselves they don't know what on earth infertility is or what's involved um, and what emotional physical strain you go through each cycle um but yeah we're we're, we're lucky we've got a a sort of close-knit group of friends and family we can confide in yeah. as far as going through treatment and sadly having failed treatment i mean self-preservation is key with all of this and you don't necessarily even though you've got like you've said a close circle around you you don't necessarily want them asking questions the whole time if you are having failures how do you manage yeah. that well the first one you don't know what on earth it's like it's just a completely new experience so we didn't we didn't really tell anyone because we didn't feel like we should because we didn't want the pressure and we don't want family always going oh what's happening what's happening because we didn't know what was going to happen but we did tell someone and they did ask every day so then the next time we decided to tell all our friends and family that it's going on, but not the details of it, just that they sure. were aware. But we didn't tell that girl that always asked every day. We didn't tell her again. <laughs> you have to choose quite wisely, I think, what information you share for that reason, because it does become all of what you're about to some people, and that's not really what you need when you 
when you know yeah. that it's such you have to be so patient and are you giving yourself some time before starting a third cycle yeah because we feel it might be the egg quality we're not changing our diet as such because we've done that over the last few years but we're just trying different um sort of dietary changes just sort of little tweaks sure. um things that you read online like flax seeds and can't tell you how many avocados i've had over the last three years <laughs> okay but helen she tried reiki and now she's trying acupuncture okay. so we're just giving it a few months mainly for the drugs to leave a body sure um and then hopefully this bit of dietary change will help and then because it says 90 days to improve your egg quality mm. so failed last month so probably give it another couple of months and look to doing the summer again. Well, I've had some really interesting chats with kind of nutritionists and talking about changes that can be made. And ultimately, you wouldn't play Wimbledon unless you were match fit. And you kind of want to have yes. that mentality, don't you? And, and be the yeah. best that you can. And especially now as you're self-funding, you don't want to be rushed into it. So really wise and I had acupuncture and I'm a big believer in that whole holistic approach complementing what you're doing to give yourself that peace of mind that you're giving yourself a bit of time out from everything the approach we've taken as well is that it's not our life isn't all about this that when we do our next round we'll probably take two three months of not drinking yeah but we know we've got a couple of stag do's and hen do's coming up and Helen's best friend's getting married so we want to make sure we can enjoy those occasions and plan IVF around it rather than planning our life around IVF yeah and I think that again is such a good piece of advice like we went skiing and I've never been and it was one of those what if I'm pregnant at that point and we decided to go a group of friends were going we went and I'm delighted delighted that I've got to go because since becoming a parent it's not happened and and i think you, you're absolutely right that life has to carry on uh, as much yeah. as as much as possible otherwise you'll, you'll regret and it does as i've talked to a number of people again on this podcast that it's become all consuming and it affects your mental health and you need to stay as positive as you can yeah because i remember three years ago we were going to amsterdam and we were starting to try two months before and i remember we were lying on a beach and we were saying oh like really positive let's start trying for a baby and then we were like oh we're going to Amsterdam in a few weeks and staying at a friend's house what if we're pregnant oh we're gonna have to get a hotel nearby and pretend that we can't drink and this that and the other and then when it doesn't happen you just think why do I bother about it let's just enjoy as much as I can because like we've been we've been to Australia last year we went to Las Vegas Um, we just want to make sure that we don't look back and we haven't put our life on hold for four or five years or how long it may be because one of helen's friends she was trying for a few years and she just said that they just put everything on hold and put all they could into it she was like looking back i wish we'd been to paris for the weekend or to the lake district or just enjoyed ourselves a bit more yeah i think it's finding the right balance for you and i think it's like like you've just described you've got to find that that place that suits you both that if you don't want to drink and the other does and you know there's so many different pieces of information about what's the best thing to do and I mean like I say I've spoken to various dietary experts about 
the myths around male and female fertility issues and what's best and you decide what's right for you well look best of luck paul and thank you i hope that find that eye contact that i've set you the challenge for and i want you to keep me in yes. keep in touch and i want you to try and sneak a selfie no i'm joking uh, <laughs> i think um i think you're doing all the right things giving yourself that kind of time out as well in between so good luck with it all and thank, thank you, you very for, much. for chatting about what's gone on so far no problem thank you very much Oh, bless Paul. And I have to tell you that since talking, um, I had got in touch with Paul and Helen to find out how they were uh, doing and where they were at. And they've just had a baby in April. So this episode is coming to you in June 2019. So their third round of IVF was successful, which is great news, isn't it? And if you're listening to this and want to hear more male-related stories, please have a look at thefertilitypodcast.com and there's a button that says male infertility on it. Um, Also, I'll put a link in the show notes for this episode, which are thefertilitypodcast.com forward slash mantalk about the male fertility event that I mentioned at the start of this episode. It's happening in Manchester on the 12th of June where um, you can come and meet some fertility experts and meet other people who are wanting to get their heads around this and and just kind of meet face to face because it is amazing the online community that we've got but it is also fab to meet in person and that's what Talk Fertility is, this, this group of us in Manchester who are putting on more events. So like I say, all the details will be in the show notes. I hope you found this useful and don't forget as well that i did say things are going to be changing on this podcast so do keep listening if you if you haven't already subscribed you can do that via your favorite podcast app and it's ace to get your thoughts so you can just rate and review it and um then i know that you know you're liking the content that continues to come from facility podcast hq right that's me for now Uh, i'm off to brighton to make a very interesting podcast series that i will be sharing more with you so until the next time 